My name is Peyton Faust. Um, my wife and our two daughters have been uh, members here for about a year. We've been coming to Mount Hoare for about two years, and I'm a family medicine physician here um, with Lexington Family Practice. You know, I think um, one of the most foundational times in my life was actually when I was a resident in Greenwood, and um, I really feel like I was called to be there. Um, I had several incredible role models there that really poured into me and my wife and our marriage and really discipled us there. And that's really translated to what I do every day in practice. Um, so that's sort of where I learned the skills um, and the importance of prayer with patients. Um, and that's kind of probably my biggest uh, launching point for my ministry here in Lexington is um, not only clinical practice, but also just partnering with patients in prayer. In medicine especially, it's a, it's a huge case of the haves and the have-nots. And we know that um, despite our government's best intentions, there's a huge limitation as far as access to healthcare. And um, you know, the have-nots truly suffer. Um, and there are folks that are dying and, and suffering tremendously just because they don't have access to healthcare. So one thing that I think that God's really placed in my heart is first off that truth, but also how he wants to use hopefully me as well as others to kind of address that need. God's really prepared me through training um, to be able to serve the underserved. And Columbia has a um, tremendous need. Um, they have a, a hugely underserved population from a medical standpoint. And recently he's just um, put a few great opportunities um, on my plate to be able to hopefully play at least a small part in meeting that need. So, you know, one phrase that we throw around a lot that I think we don't give enough thought to is what it means to be a follower of Christ and how our life should look like Christ. And um, if we're gonna truly follow him, we're gonna follow him to the cross, right? So we need to suffer, I think, just like he did. So, you know, we know that in scripture, it teaches us to rejoice in our suffering. So recently I'm coming to understand that on a few different levels, I guess, um, as far as giving beyond tithing. Recently, we've been able to sponsor um, a few friends of ours from residency who are going on to do long-term missions in Algeria. With being able to support them and understanding how huge their financial need is just to be able to realize their mission goals down there, we are given the point where we're a little bit more uncomfortable. And through that, we've really grown, I think, and we, we've learned to not place so much value on the financial side of things and the financial security side of things, and it's been tremendously rewarding. One area of scripture in which we see this is the parable of talents and you know how Jesus sort of teaches us that to whom much is given much is expected. You know I know that here at Mount Horeb um, we have so many folks that give generously but we also know that there are we're a blessed church. We live in a very blessed area. I think that financially a lot of folks um, in Mount Horeb are in a healthy position. I think that God really has big plans for Mount Horeb going forward as far as what we're called to do in terms of our actual service, in terms of our financial giving, um, but to really get back toward that goal of realizing God's kingdom here and now. Amen. Good morning. Let's try that again. Good morning. Good morning. That's better. I want to thank Peyton for sharing his heart. And I believe that God's does have big plans for Mount Horeb. And our best days are in front of us. Peyton is making some godly decisions that will establish a legacy for the future. 
Today, I want to talk to you about your legacy, our legacy as a church. In our parable today, three servants discover their legacy. As a wealthy business owner leaves on a long journey and chooses to entrust his business to three servants, the one he gives five talents, another two, and another one, one talent. They gave these talents based upon their capacity, their ability to manage his assets. A talent in the Bible is a measurement of money. And what Tom read for you this morning from the New Living Translation, it describes it as bags of silver. In today's uh, monetary value, these bags were, were worth a lot, maybe up to a million dollars for a talent. So one got five million perhaps, one got two million, and one got one million. And two of the servants were faithful. They invested wisely and a great, brought a great return for the master. But one servant buried his talent and gained no value. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called all of them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had trusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, small amount. So now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The second servant came forward with four bags of silver, heard the affirmation from his master. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid. I was afraid. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. Gracious God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning and that we would realize that you've given all of us talents You've given all of us resources. You've given all of us time. You've gifted all of us with abilities. I pray, Father God, that your Holy Spirit would speak to all of us as we seek to leave a legacy, establish a legacy that would impact eternity. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this third servant who decided to bury his talent reminds me of the ancient parable that native tribes would hollow out coconuts and they'd fill these coconuts with bait and then hang them from trees to lure and trap monkeys. And when a monkey would reach into the uh, coconut, his hand would uh, fit in there and he would grab a handful of bait. But the monkey couldn't get his hand out once he grabbed the bait. He couldn't free himself. See, the coconut wasn't the problem, but his greed was. His unwillingness to let go 
of the bait. See, this master did not give his servants the money as a personal possession. He didn't give it to them to hold on to. He didn't give it to them to splurge on themselves. Instead, he trusted them. He trusted them to use their talents to make a difference. Now, I believe from this parable, we can learn some keys. You were given a key when you walked in today. And I want this key to remind all of us that there are keys to leaving a lasting legacy, a good and faithful servant kind of legacy, a good and faithful servant kind of legacy. And I believe it, first of all, begins with awareness, the awareness that we are building a legacy right now. Whether we mean to or not, we're establishing a legacy. And sometimes we think about legacy as only that thing that happens when we die uh, or when, whenever somebody's writing our obituary or something we're going to leave to our children. But it's much, much bigger than that. Our, our legacy is our story. It's the story of our lives. It's the story of how we use our time. It's the story of how we use our talents, our treasure, and how our story, our lives impact those around us. How our lives here at Mount Horb impact this community and impacts the world and ultimately impacts eternity. At some point in time, we all need to realize that we're leaving a legacy, whether it's a positive legacy or a negative legacy. Now, we're all called to be servants of God. Every one of us is called to be a servant. And, and you and I are found in this parable. We're one of these three persons today. We're a person who God has given much to and expects much, or we're a person that God's given maybe a little bit to and we're afraid. Or maybe he's given us a lot and we're afraid and we're burying what God's given us. We're hiding what God's given us and not building for the kingdom of God. Let me give you a definition of a steward, a servant. Is someone entrusted with another's wealth or property and charged with the responsibility of managing it in the owner's best interest. So stewardship is management, not ownership. Now, that's a basic principle of Christian stewardship. It's management, not ownership. I love what Randy Alcorn writes in, as he describes this. He says, God is the owner. God is the owner, and he has put our names on his account. We have unrestricted access to God's accounts. As his managers, God trusts us to set our own salaries. Think about that. God trusts us to set our own salaries. We draw needed funds from his wealth to pay our living expenses. And one of the most important spiritual decisions we make is determining what is a reasonable amount to live on. And whatever that amount is, and it will vary from person to person, we're going to be held accountable for. As his money managers, as his stewards, we have legitimate needs, and the owner is generous. He doesn't demand we live in poverty. He doesn't resent us making reasonable expenditures on ourselves. But when we set our salaries, let's never forget that we don't own the store. He owns the store. Now, the master gave these servants different amounts of talents. And sometimes we struggle with that, where it seems to be unfair. But the, the, the master wasn't basing his decision on fairness, but rather on their ability, on their capacity to manage his assets. 
And God does the same for us. And as Peyton said here in Lexington, we're very blessed. This church is very blessed. And I would just surmise, since we are so blessed, that God has great expectations for us. And that God believes that we have the capacity, we have the ability to manage his assets because he's blessed us in marvelous ways. And, and I'll always believe that you and I are blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. Today we are standing on the shoulder of giants, people that have invested resources in the kingdom of God. They've used resources wisely. Giants have gone before us. Now, as Christians, we can go all the way back through the Bible of, of giants who've gone before us. We go to the cross and see that Jesus gave his life, invested his life so that you and I could have life. We read today from the Gospels, from the Gospel of Matthew. The disciples poured out their life so we would have this message today. As we look at the early church fathers, the martyrs that gave up their life so that you and I could, could have the church and, and have the message and, and, and further the gospel. And all of us have been blessed by people God has put in our lives. Mentors, teachers, grandparents, parents. I shared with our men's prayer breakfast on Friday morning that one of the things that we can do in leaving a legacy is we can pray for our children. And that prayer is one of the best legacies that we can leave our kids because those prayers go on and on and on and on. We may not be perfect parents, but we can be praying parents. And we need parents and grandparents who will leave a prayer legacy for their children. And I believe that on this card that you received in the mail, or if you received one today, that the most important block you'll fill out on this card is how much time you're going to pray. That everything else is derived from prayer. Everything that God has done in this place is because we are a prayer-driven church. So make sure that you mark how many hours or minutes a week that you're going to pray. It was, it was uh, Sir Isaac Newton that said this, if I have seen further than others, it's because I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. Now, as I look back over the history of my time here at Mount Horeb, look at the history of this place, we are standing on the shoulders of giants. And one of the things that the Lord has convinced me of is that because people were willing to step out, step up, we could step out. Because people were willing to step up, we could step out and find out what God could do. And we've experienced that in so many ways here through the years. 20 years ago, the people of Mount Hor began to step up. And they began to realize that God had a mission for this little church on the corner up here. They stepped up and then they stepped out and begin to experience what God could do in this place. 17 years ago, a small group of people at Mount Horb stepped up and built a new sanctuary over there. They stepped up and then stepped out, and then they saw what God could do, and, and it grew in, in, in significant ways. 10 years ago, many of you stepped up, and we stepped out and bought land that part of this building is on today, and we saw what God could do. Three years ago, many of you stepped up, so we as a church could step out on above and beyond and build this facility. We are standing on the shoulder of giants. And here's the question. Ten years from now, what will people say about you? Are you a part of a group of people that stepped up so that this church could continue to step out and find out what God can do? I believe, again, as Trevor said, our best days are before us. But all of it depends on our willingness to step up 
and step out and find out what God can do. You know, I found through the years in ministry, uh, in talking to churches and talking to people that are trying to, try, trying to get a church to grow, trying to get something to happen, is that when we hold back, we hold on. When we hold back, we hold on. And we never experience what God can do. So always one of the struggles in ministry of God's people is we want to hold back because we're afraid. We hold back because we don't have enough faith. And then when we start holding back, we always hold on. We hold on to the past. We hold on to the way we've always done things. And we never get to see what God can do. Today is about a legacy of stepping up so we can step out and find out what God can do. Now, a second key to leaving a good and faithful servant legacy is audacity, is to be audacious, is to take bold risk. It's stepping up and stepping out. Now, you've heard me talk about our granddaughter, Harper Grace, and if Harper Grace was up here on the stage this morning, she would be kind of like this. Uh, if she walked into a room with three people, she would kind of be like this. She's really shy, and she's really nervous, uh, and, and we're trying to coach her to be a little more bold, a little more courageous. Well, this past week, we took her to the fair, and she was at the fair, and uh, we were amazed when we got to that giant slide, that giant slide there at the fair, and, and, and without a hesitation, Harper Grace took off, and here's a picture of her on the slide uh, there at the fair. Now, again, she, I watched her run up those stairs on the right, get all the way to the top, and then come sliding down, not once, not twice, but as, a bunch of times. Bold and courageous, audacious in her courage. And after it was all over, I thought it was a teaching moment. So the next day, I said to Harper Grace, I said, Harper, you know, you, you were so bold and you were so courageous when you went down that slide. Uh, maybe, you know, the next time you walk into a room and you're kind of scared and a little bit bashful, maybe you can be bold and courageous like that. And she looked at me and said, nah. <laughs> Some of us today... When God calls us to be bold and courageous, we say, nah. See, stepping out is risky business. These two faithful servants were driven by a commitment to their master's interest. They were willing to take risk in a desire to see him prosper and his assets grow. The unfaithful servant was driven by fear, and his only interest was self-preservation. So these first two servants demonstrated faithfulness and risk. They, 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 they took chances and made investments that returned great dividends. But the servant who failed, failed because of excuses and fear. And I'm just guessing that, there, that we all wrestle with those excuses. Excuses of why I can't serve. Fear, because I've never done that before. Excuses on why I can't tithe, why I can't give. And, and fear, there won't be enough left over at the end of the month. That's exactly what this servant did. And so he buried what he had and held on to it. I believe that risk is inseparable with biblical stewardship. There will be times when we're all called to take a risk for the cause of God. Let me tell you what. Whenever your heart starts beating because you're taking a risk for the cause of God, that's a good place to be. Taking a risk for the cause of God. You know, as I look at this card again, you know, as you, as you mark here, where you're going to uh, uh, serve at. There, there, there are, some of you are going to be really, uh, that's a big, big step for you, to serve somewhere. Others, whenever you say, uh, I will go and share Christ with five people. 
Yeah, no, you know, uh, I'll be an usher, but I won't share Christ with anybody. You know, you got to take a risk. You know, some of the some of the most nervous I get is when I'm sharing Christ with people, and I've been doing it for a long time. But there, there's some excitement because I'm doing something for the cause of God, and God is calling you to be a part of that. You know, the people of Mount Horeb have been willing to take risk through the years, and I want the legacy of Mount Horeb to be about taking risks because of our passion for souls, because of our passion for souls and our compassion for people. Can I get a second to that? This, 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 everything that we do at this church is about our passion for souls and our compassion for people. And you heard Peyton talk about his compassion for people, the underserved people in the Columbia area. Do you have a compassion for people? And do you have a passion for souls? You see, it's not about buildings and budgets. These are only tools to passionately pursue the things of God instead of passively preserving the things of God. There's here some people that want to passively preserve. God, I believe, is calling us to passionately pursue, not to sit back and relax and not to sit back and go, well, we got it all done now. You know, Nick, bless his heart, he's preaching over in the uh, sanctuary this morning. Uh, you know what he said to me this week? He says, you know, I might, you know, might make sure, Pastor, that, or Jeff, that you're, you are ready to go, you know, that you don't get tired now. We're not tired, right? We're going we're gonna to go. I said, absolutely, we're going to go. We're going to go where God wants us to go. We're going we're to passionately pursue souls. We're going to have a compassion for people in this church. Now, taking a risk is not the same thing as being reckless. He's not calling us to be reckless, but he's calling us to take a risk. Through the years, this church has made every decision we've made in prayer and discernment. And God has blessed in amazing ways. We've found out what God can do. Isn't it the crazy ones that we remember? The audacious ones that we remember? The ones that do what we want to do, but we're afraid to do? Afraid of the cost? Afraid of the discomfort? But it's the crazy ones, the audacious ones that remember, that we remember. Now, legacies don't just happen. Legacies don't just fall out of heaven. They don't materialize in the middle of our living rooms. They don't show up on our doorsteps by a knock and a note. But legacies are created. They require prayer. They require preparation. And they require action. So the third key is to take some action. See, these two servants were commended for what they did. Hear this. For what they did, not for what they intended to do. There are some of you who say, well, one of these days I'm going to serve in the church. One of these days, whenever I get all my finances in order, I'm going to start tithing. You know, these servants weren't commended for what they intended to do. They were commended for what they did. See, God is calling you to start today, to take some action today to begin to build a godly legacy. And that happens right now. You know, our future is not detached from the present our future is shaped by what we do today. And this gift of salvation that we sang about and worshiped about this morning as Christ followers is possible only because Jesus Christ took action. It wasn't what he intended to do. It's what he did. He took action on the cross. Our salvation is his legacy to us. His was a legacy of surrender, service, and sacrifice. Too oftentimes we want salvation without surrender. We want salvation without service or we want salvation without sacrifice. 
I want some of that salvation, but does surrender go with it? Absolutely. Does service go with it? Absolutely. Does sacrifice? Yes. Now, again, let's be clear. We don't surrender or serve or sacrifice to get salvation. We surrender, serve, and sacrifice because of our salvation. So this afternoon when we have a new member class, and we'll talk to new members about joining this church, we'll talk about surrender and service and sacrifice. This is what it means. So if you've received this great salvation, this amazing grace of God, don't hesitate to surrender to him. Don't hesitate to sacrifice. I believe that's, this is what this card is about. It's about surrender. It's about service. And it's about sacrifice. And the final key this morning for us is accountability. I want to tell you that one day, whatever the Lord gives us, he will ask us about later. I want you to hear that. Whatever the Lord gives us now, he will ask us about later. He expects us to diligently work with his resources for the growth of his kingdom. Now, I don't want you to get before God one day whenever your time comes and, and he, he begin to ask you what you did with what he gave you. And you would say, I never heard that before. This is all new to me. You're hearing it from me today. One day, God is going to ask you and he's going to ask me, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with all your time? What did you do with all your talent? What did you do with all your gifts and your resources? What did you do with it? Now, again, he's a very generous God. And he says, just set aside the best for me. Put me at the top of your calendar. Put me at the top of your gift list. And then enjoy life to the fullest. Accountability. Then the master ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will they be given. And they will be given an abundance. But from those who do nothing, from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. You know, I thought about uh, us sending this service over into the sanctuary today because I wanted everybody to hear some of the things that I had to say that God laid on my heart. When we did that three weeks ago. We, I preached live over there, and we sent it in here. But then I prayed about it, and I felt like they weren't ready for it yet. So anyway, so, so we, we didn't do that. But I, I want to say this, is we've been so blessed by all the people through the years that have done great things for God served in marvelous ways. When I talk about Bible school to people, even this past week, uh, 2,000 kids in Bible school, it took almost 1,000 volunteers to make that happen. 1,000 servants to make that happen. Right now, as you're in here worshiping, we've got servants all over this campus taking care of kids and youth. There'll be people uh, being all out throughout this week serving God here. But, but my concern is, as we look at these cards, serving, time, talent, possessions, prayer. There are people in our congregation, just like this third servant, who do nothing. Who do nothing. And he says, even what little they have will be taken away. You know, if all of our people in this church were doing exactly what this parable describes, it would be, the, the potential for this church would be enormous. The impact would be enormous. The legacy would be incredible. We would truly be changing the world in marvelous ways. 
I believe that this weekend is an incredible opportunity for us to even do more for the glory of God than we've done before. You know, Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 14. Remember, we all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us, each of us, all of us will give a personal account to God. A personal account. God's going to have a one-on-one conversation with me and I'm going to give an account of what I did with my time what I did with my talent, what I did with my resources that he blessed me with. You know, if we'll stop focusing on getting the big things of life and start being faithful in the small things of life, God will take notice of the small things and then he says he will entrust us with the big things. You know, I think, I think a lot of life is a test. I think God is testing us to see if we'll be faithful in the little things. And when we demonstrate to God that we're faithful in little things, watch out, watch out. And again, I just talk about the people of Mount Horeb who for the last 20 years have been faithful in a lot of little things, been faithful in praying, been faithful in serving, and look out. Look what God has done because his people have been faithful in little things. And, and, and the parable is lived out here. And because you've been faithful in little things, I'll make you faithful in a lot bigger things. Now, one final stewardship point I want you to take home today is, is remember, a stewardship is not is not taking treasure from us. God is not looking to take your time. God is not looking to take your treasure, but rather secure treasure for you. You know, one day we're going to stand before God and realize the treasure that we've laid up in heaven. Again, Randy Alcorn says it this way, one day when we step into eternity, as soon as we step into eternity, we'll know exactly what we should have been doing with our time. We'll know, ex- we'll know exactly what we should have been giving up. As soon as we step into eternity. See, God is wanting you to prepare for what's coming. In Cairo, in the Egyptian National Museum, there is a King Tut exhibit. The boy king was 17 years old when he died. And the Egyptians believed that they could take all their possessions with them. King Tut was buried with all of his treasure. His burial site was filled with tons of gold, all kinds of artifacts, But 3,000 years later, in 1922, Howard Carter discovered the tomb of King Tut. And guess what? All that stuff was still there, decaying, rotting. Contrast King Tut with William Borden. William Borden was born the heir of a great wealth in 1887. He was a Yale graduate, heir to the Borden fortune, but he devoted his life to bringing the gospel to Muslims. At the age of 25, only four months after he began his ministry in Egypt, he contracted spinal meningitis and he died. He's buried in a graveyard overgrown with grass on a back alley of a Cairo street. But in his short years, Borden gave away hundreds of thousands of dollars to missions. He made an impact all over Egypt. And his tombstone reads these words. Apart from faith in Christ, there is no explanation for such a life. Apart from faith in Christ, there is no explanation for such a life. What a legacy. What will they write on your tombstone? What will be your legacy?
What kind of legacy for tomorrow are you creating today? You know, I believe this is an opportunity for us to make a decision about legacy. You see, our master has gone on a long journey. And he's left all of us here in charge of his assets. He's left all of us in charge of his mission. And one day he's going to come back. Or one day he's going to call us to come home. And we're going to stand before him. And what words will you hear? I want to hear, well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now, now I will give you many more responsibilities. Think about that. That's a description of heaven. That those of you who are faithful in small things are going to be given many, many more responsibilities. That's my kind of heaven. I, I, want, to, I want to go and do great things for God, even greater things. I don't know what that's going to look like. But, but he says, if you're faithful, you're going to have all these responsibilities. And then he says these words, let's celebrate together. Let's celebrate together. You've been given a key as a reminder to unlock your heart, unlock your potential, unlock your legacy, unlock the joy of generous living. When I was 15 years old, I remember we did a coffee house in a little church in the basement. And the theme of it was Jesus is the key. I can still see it. It was in red fluorescent paint so that when we turned on the black lights, it glowed in the dark. Jesus is the key. And I believe he is the key to your life. Would you pray with me? Father God, in this place, we want to have a passion for souls. If there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, that has never given you their life and they're searching for meaning, they're searching for a purpose, they're searching for a mission, they're searching for a cause, they're searching for deliverance, that right now that they would open up their heart to you. They would invite you into their heart and their life would be changed. Their soul would be different. And then, Lord God, you would take them on an adventure, upon a mission, upon a journey of changing the world. And Father God, I pray that you give all of us here a compassion for people. And Father God, let us not be about preserving the past, but let us be about pursuing the future, the possibilities of your kingdom coming. And we thank you for the past, some wonderful giants that we look back and salute and honor. But Lord God, we don't live there. We live now and live for the future. Lord God, May the best days of Mount Horeb be in front of us. May we never rest on our laurels and rest on the victories you've given, but look for the next opportunity to bring someone to Jesus, to serve someone with compassion, and to change their world for your glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you received your cards in the mail or you got one today when you came in. We're going to ask you to bring those to the front here as we sing and worship. You can leave them at these tables on the sides. Our ushers are going to come down here, down front in case uh, you need a card and don't have one. Or you can bring it back next week or whenever. 
But I believe this is a card about my legacy and your legacy for God's glory, for God's purpose. Let's stand and worship the God who has given us so much today.